You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home, the simple way to get it, Rocket can. Our next guest is literally, literally, the best NFL writer slash reporter in the country. The website that he runs with a very talented crew is, for me, the first thing that I read every morning. So the timing is obviously excellent for you, the listener, to get some insight and some wisdom from Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk on Twitter, at Pro Football Talk. The guy who dropped the bombshell yesterday that we were going to be getting that news on Deshaun Watson that we've discussed the entirety of this show. Mike, good morning. Thanks for um, thanks for being here, man. Hey, can you do me a favor? Have your producer clip that intro so I can send it to NBC for my next contract negotiation, please? <laughs> yeah. You got it. We'll have as long as they don't send it to CBS because those guys are second. CBSSports.com number two. No, just don't send it to my bosses. It's true, Mike. I and look, like I, you know, not to not to to throw rainbows and puppy dog love your way, but you, I'm almost sure it was you, are the are the person who wrote a while ago that that I didn't know this that Roger Goodell, if there was a finding of cause against Deshaun Watson by the arbiter by the former federal judge that Roger Goodell could appeal to basically to himself and make a decision. And so we've been able to have, I think, on this show, a pretty sophisticated conversation because of some of the, the insights you've given us. Let me ask you this. There's a lot to get into. Was yesterday, given the context of everything that was out there, a win or a loss for Deshaun Watson? I hate to even do that, given my view on Deshaun Watson, but in practical, harsh terms, was yesterday a good day or a bad day for Deshaun Watson? And I think it's possible to compartmentalize what he did, what he allegedly did, what Judge Sue Robinson found he did, and his clunky effort to proclaim innocence from what is the practical effect. And when you consider everything that happened, when you consider 24 lawsuits, 66 women that, according to the New York Times, great reporting from Jenny Brentis of individuals that he found on social media, using his identity as an NFL quarterback to set up these private massage sessions that he had a habit slash fetish of trying to engineer into sexual encounters. When you consider everything that happened and how this was just mishandled by him and everyone close to him and how we got to this point where he was staring down a four-year suspension with no guarantee that he would be automatically reinstated on the back end, yesterday was a win. He got out of this thing with an 11-game suspension, a $5 million fine. He comes back and plays this year. And and he, he turns what was a worst-case scenario into something not quite as bad as it could have been. Two full years of his life without football and no guarantee that he'd be back or that he'd be any good when he came back. So for him, it was a win, especially because – and this is what I compared it to yesterday. This is the equivalent of the guy who pleads guilty, signs the paperwork, and then stands up and says, I didn't do it. And I'd love to know, and I'm trying to find out, what the NFL thinks about all of this. Because even though some are saying, well, this is like any other settlement when there's no admission of guilt, I think this one had an admission of guilt embedded in there somewhere. Why else would you expect him to undergo evaluation and treatment? Because if he really clings to this idea that I stand on my innocence, how's the evaluation going to go? What are you evaluating? I'm innocent. What are you treating me for? I'm innocent. Uh, It's so well said. Mike Florio here on, on the show. Mike, to what degree, based on your reporting or, or just your expertise, do you understand what the NFL's reasoning was in terms of the decision they made? Why do you think the National Football League, and Roger Goodell in effect, decided 11 games as they weigh the politics and the brand and to whatever degree they think you know a moral compass does or doesn't matter? Everything that goes into the decision, why do you think 11 games? Well, 
you know, at the end of the day, the, the easiest response is they avoid a federal lawsuit that the NFL Players Association would have filed. Or I think more likely the NFL would have actually filed the lawsuit in a preferred courthouse where they know that past precedent from Tom Brady and Ezekiel Elliott would help them win. They would have had to actually fire the first shot in a legal battle in order to get the best possible outcome. They didn't want to go through that. I think at some level there was concern that this argument of owners not being held to a higher standard, even though the personal conduct policy says owners and club and league management will be held to a higher standard under the personal conduct policy, that was going to be an issue. And there's some problematic factual scenarios there where either they didn't punish someone or they didn't even investigate when there was reason to believe that there was an investigation to be done. The Cowboys voyeurism scandal to me is a significant unexplored story that the league has looked the other way on for months, if not years. And that's the kind of thing that would have come out. And I also think at a certain level too, and I don't know this, but to the extent that there's frustration within the league about the Browns doing this $230 million fully guaranteed contract with Deshaun Watson, it actually would have helped the Browns if Deshaun Watson misses the full year because his contract then would have got kicked by a year. He'd be under contract through 2027. They'd owe him $1 million next year instead of $46 million. So by coming back for some games after missing 11, and presumably in a very difficult conference and a very difficult division, the Browns won't be high-end contenders. This season's lost, and they only have him under contract for four years after this season. So that may have been a reason why there was a willingness to just get this over with, avoid the federal court action, and not help the Browns. Even though the Browns never would have admitted that, it would have helped the Browns if he would have missed the full year. That is really interesting. Mike Florio here on the show. Mike, in practical terms – for the remainder of this year, let's just go with the quarterback option as they await Deshaun Watson's return against his former team, the Texans, after that, those 11 games are out. Do you think the Browns really go to Jacoby Brissett, or do you think there is a potential trade out there for Jimmy G or, or someone else that could, that could materialize? I think at the most obvious and superficial level, it would be a very tough sell for the Browns to go out and get Jimmy G because I think they'd have to give up more to get him than what they got for Baker Mayfield. And that's an apples-to-apples comparison I don't think they really want to make. Now, the deeper question is, are they content to have 11 games with Jacoby Brissett and then see where they are down the stretch one with Deshaun Watson? you got to ask it from Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective, too. Is this the best spot for him when he knows there's a good chance he's going to be sent to the bench in December and January when he otherwise would like to be in a spot where he's on the football field playing and playing well enough to set himself up for a contract next year. And, look, there's no guarantee that Watson comes back week 13. He has to comply with the evaluation and treatment requirements of this settlement. I don't know what kind of appetite the NFL is going to have to ensure that he does go in there and say, I understand I did wrong. I understand I shouldn't have behaved the way I did. I do accept guilt. I do accept responsibility. I abandon everything that I said at that press conference, but if he's in there repeating those things, he potentially fails to comply, which means he doesn't get reinstated, which means this isn't over, and the Browns won't know until it's too late. If the Browns knew right now they weren't going to have him all season, then Jimmy G makes sense for both sides, for the team and for Jimmy G. But right now they think it's 11, and they hope it's only going to be 11, but they're not going to find out until later that it's more 
by then the Jimmy G ship has sailed. So I don't think they're going to do it. And I don't think they're going to know that they would have needed to do it until it's too late to pull off a move for Jimmy Garoppolo. Mike, you, you referenced Deshaun Watson's non-apology apology in his press conference yesterday, and his he apologized to a, a reporter. He apologizes to everyone, but no one in particular. It, it wasn't a, it was not a master class in, in public relations from him or the owner of that team, to say the least. To what degree, if any, are, are Deshaun Watson's comments yesterday or, or going forward can they have an impact on whether or not he is allowed to have been determined determined to have, have complied when his suspension is up? I think it's going to be huge because, look, whoever they get to perform this evaluation surely will know everything he said publicly and will start the process from square one. And I have no training experience or understanding of how anything like this would go. But if the evaluation and treatment are going to be meaningful at all, you've got to get the guy to admit that what he was doing was inappropriate, that setting up private massages, using his fame, using his status to get people who are trying to get their businesses off the ground – clamor for the opportunity to be able to say later, hey, I've provided massage therapy services to Deshaun Watson. Well, you must be pretty good then, right? That gets him in the door, and then he tries to direct the massage toward a sexual encounter. He's got to understand that that is inappropriate. He's got to understand that that his categorical denials of responsibility, he's got to abandon that. He's got to seek a fair evaluation. He's got to respond to treatment. It all comes down to how aggressive that person is, who that person is, and whether or not that person feels empowered to say to the NFL, this guy just doesn't get it. We're wasting our time. And we won't know that. And here's here's when we'll know, if we're ever going to know. His first press conference when he comes back. And I suspect that Mary Kay Cabot is a Cleveland Plain dealer, if no one else. She will ask him this question. Deshaun, the last time we talked to you, you said you still stand on your innocence. After going through evaluation and treatment, do you still stand on your innocence? And if he says yes, it will have all been a waste of time and a sham and, and ultimately just an effort by the NFL to be done with it. So you know, if, he says, if he says, you know what, I was wrong to say that, and I've learned a lot, and this has been very useful, and I understand the errors of my ways, I understand what I did wrong, and I apologize for ever being defiant about it. If that's what we hear from him, then it worked. But that's going to be the litmus test coming up at some point in early December. Mike Florio, I would love those words to come out of Deshaun Watson's mouth and for him to mean them. But the reality is if he had a better public relations apparatus around him, based on what we saw yesterday, he could just say those things, right? You don't have to mean those words to say those words. What is what is your read on, on just the Browns' communication strategy throughout this saga well and it's not just the browns it's the people close to deshaun watson as it relates to the browns now let's assume that they knew he was going to stand up and proclaim his innocence yesterday there's maybe a chance they didn't expect him to say what he said but yesterday would have been a day to just let everything percolate and marinate and not say anything the league didn't call a press conference to talk about it you issue the press release you issue a written statement and you just move forward And you don't put Deshaun Watson in front of a microphone. You don't put the ownership out there. They knew this was coming. They planned it. I think that was a mistake. Sometimes the best PR is no PR. But I go all the way back, Bill, to the very beginning. When Tony Busby, on behalf of Ashley Solis, reaches out to Deshaun Watson's representatives with a claim of nonviolent sexual assault during a massage and makes a demand of $100,000, which happens all the time. 
I practiced law for 19 years. Every day, hundreds if not thousands of times a day, someone who is representing a person reaches out to the target of the allegation of wrongdoing before filing suit and gives that side an opportunity to resolve the case without putting anyone through the stress and the strain and the expense of litigation. It is not extortion. It is legitimate. It is common, and it happens all the time. I've done it on behalf of clients, and I've been approached on behalf of clients who were going to be ultimately sued. And some were and some won't. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what they did is they basically gave Tony Busby the middle finger. He asked for 100000 which to me is a clue he would have taken on behalf of his client fifty to 75000 It would have been done, it would have been gone, and that may have been it. And we never would have known about it. Instead, as he said it himself 15 days ago in a press conference, they pissed me off. So he goes out and he finds others. Next thing you know, he's found 24. And this is all because the folks at Deshaun Watson's firm, instead of saying, holy crap, we got something, we got to be, you know, we got to figure out, let's sit down and talk to Deshaun. They circled the wagons and they've constantly done this. They're still doing it. They're still doing it. Yesterday, David Mulligata, who represents Deshaun Watson, tweeted and then deleted an attack on Judge, uh, Judge Robinson's ruling that the union wanted the NFL to embrace. He attacked it. She had her mind made up. He's admitted to nothing. And so I think if somebody would have spoken hard truths to Deshaun Watson early on, he could have avoided all of this. Not just the $5 million fine, but somewhere between $1 and $10 million that he's probably spent on legal fees and settlements that all could have been avoided if they just would have settled with Tony Busby on behalf of Ashley Solis and possibly been done with it. Phenomenal insight from Mike Florio. Mike, Last one for you, and I, again, I guess this is where we compartmentalize and go back to, to football, and it's, it's speculative, but I'm curious your, your view here. It will have been a pretty long stretch for a quarterback in the National Football League not to have played competitive football when, when he is back. Whenever that time comes, 11 games or more, what are the odds, do you think, that he could be severely impacted in terms of his performance from his time away? Well, we didn't see much from him last Friday night against the Jaguars, but if you watch carefully, there are still flashes of the old Deshaun there. There were a couple of drop passes. You know, his numbers weren't great. He didn't play for very long, but I think there's every reason to think he's still going to be good. But, you know, the reality is there was a, a very loud and viral, profane chant directed to Deshaun Watson in Jacksonville. Well, what's it going to be like in the regular season in Pittsburgh or Baltimore or Houston or wherever he goes? Every time he's on the road now, this is going to be an issue. This is going to be a thing. What is that going to do to him? Is he ever going to live this down? And that, that's all the more reason to, to take a step back and have a real reckoning here and acknowledge what you did, why you did it, how it became a problem. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the team, said yesterday everyone deserves a second chance, and I believe it. But you first need to admit that you squandered your first chance before you even qualify for a second chance. How can somebody who continues to refuse to understand that there was anything remotely wrong with what he did, how did he even get the second chance? So I think that's something he's got to work out. Maybe this time away, if he gets people around him who are willing to speak those hard truths, maybe he can get to the point where he needs to be, and I hope he does. He's good for football, and everyone's entitled to that second act, that shot of redemption. We all like to see that, but first you've got to truly qualify for it by expressing remorse, true remorse, true contrition, and then try to move forward and turn the page. Mike Florio, phenomenal stuff. Love the insight. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. Thanks, Bill. Good talking to you. You too, brother. Mike Florio. Man, that guy's so good. Back when I when I first got into radio, D-Cell, 
we had Mike on a different, much lesser Sports Talk Radio Network, uh, National Network, every week. I forgot how good that guy is. Nice job. Good booking. Mike's the amazing. best. The absolute best. And I will say this, too, having spoke to him a few times, couldn't be nicer as well. To me, Great nobody, nobody needs to be nice to me. Nobody's Everyone, nice to me. Incorrect. On my European sojourn, was that what it was? Uh, I learned that you should be nice to colleagues. Someone gave me that lesson. It's all, you know, it's, I, I learned that. You got, I, we got to make sure everyone's nice to you, buddy. I'm excited. We haven't done buy or sell together in three weeks. I'll buy that. Buy or sell with D-Cell. The reunion happens next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. I missed the rejoins too, Diesel. I know you get them. What do you play when there's a fill-in for a day or three weeks in a row? Oh, everything. I play everything as if you were here. The good ones, the, the ones that make me laugh, the ones that are very complimentary. Those get played a little less. But the ones that make me laugh <laughs> for sure. You still do them. Absolutely. All right, so I have I have um, a little inside of my return, which I want to I want to shoehorn into this segment. I'm really excited. Let's get into it. It's you and me. It's the reunion. The buddy flick is back. Best friends forever. Let's do buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. Is it weird right now that I have some nervous energy? Like, it, yeah, it's, it it's been so long. I've been doing buy or sell every day, but not with you. I'm a little nervous right now. I got to be honest. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty magical what's happening right now. All right. Right off the bat, I'm going to wind you up and just listen to you go. Your Chicago Bears were in action last night to kick off week two of the preseason. I can already hear that you're not excited about that. I will say two straight wins to start the preseason, though. Oh, good. <laughs> Justin Fields attempted, <laughs> Fields attempted just seven passes, the same amount as he did in week one against the Chiefs. Backups Nathan Peterman and Trevor Simeon split the remaining reps. Buy or sell that you want to see Justin Fields take more snaps in the final two preseason games. <sighs> you start me with a Bears question. I knew I was gonna, and like older, oh, we. I mean, I have obviously a lot of buddies who are Bear, Bears fans. Oh, look how good we've looked! All right, man, it's cool. It's the false hope. What is the Ted Lasso line? It's the hope that kills you. And Ted's like, no, it's not. It's not the hope that kills you. I don't believe in that. Well, Ted's not a Bears fan. What's your question? Um, sure, bye, Justin Field. Yay, bye. Yeah, let's ruin him quicker. <laughs> We're off to a great start. We're I, back! I will add, too, I have a baseball one in here, too, that I think is going to get you all worked up as well. I didn't do it on purpose. Maybe I did. <laughs> all right, here. <laughs> Last week, Mike Tomlin told CBS Sports HQ that if the Steelers were preparing for a game of, quote, any meaning, that Mitch Trubisky would be their starting quarterback. Having said that, the Steelers are planning on using all three of their quarterbacks this weekend in their preseason game. The plan is to start Trubisky... Then have first-round pick Kenny Pickett come in. And then finally have Mason Rudolph finish the game. Buy or sell the Steelers' QB depth chart to start the season in this order should be Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and then Mason Rudolph. I buy it, and I feel... Bye. Don't you feel bad for Mason Rudolph? I normally wouldn't, but Big Ben threw him under the bus the moment that dude got drafted out of what, Oklahoma State in the third round? Am I getting that right? I think that is right, yeah. 
getting those cobwebs off a little bit. I really like Trubisky. I think I've said this. I know I've said this on the air. At the Super Bowl a couple times, I interviewed him when he was the Bears quarterback, and he's such a nice guy. A lot of these guys, they talk to you, they're nice, and then they go their way, and you see him 51 other times at Radio Row that week, and they don't, their eyes glaze over. This guy was a normal guy. I really hope he succeeds. None of the, let me ask you this, buy or sell that you have any confidence in the Steelers quarterback position this year, given the depth you just noted. Sell. Yeah. Not this season, but I will say I did watch the Steelers' first preseason game just to watch Kenny Pickett. And like you said, it's preseason. It doesn't mean much. I'm not going to say I was impressed, but I had a smile on my face. He looked good. He looked like he could be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, there's there's hope there. You just don't want to rush that guy. All right. And by the way, what an organization. If you If it's not a sure thing, that's where you want to be. That's the other part of this. The Steelers always seemingly know what they're doing. And Mike Tomlin, he's, the guy's never finished under 500. Granted, he's had a franchise quarterback. I know you're not a Big Ben fan. He's a Hall of Famer. Big Ben's a Hall of Famer. Just don't like him. I guess you got to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing here. But, yeah, there's yeah, it, not a lot of talent there. It feels like a... Um... It feels like a, like a like a like a like a Greg Popovich or Eric Spoelstra with a bad roster team or a down year for the St. Louis Cardinals, right? They're going to win more than they should. They're going to be nine and eight, ten and seven. All right. All right, let's get to some college football here. Mike Norvell is entering his third season in Tallahassee with only eight combined wins in his first two years. Now, part of the process to winning games in college football is recruiting talented players. And Florida State attempted to do that with four-star pass rusher Lamont Green Jr. Only FSU misspelled the word official on Green's official offer sheet. Now, mind you, the words official offer are typed in the biggest letters I've ever seen. It has to be at least size 40 font, if not bigger. Now, Green's father posted the mistake in a now-deleted tweet. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell Florida State's mistake is a big deal. I think it is by. I know people are going to roll their eyes. By. It shows a lack of a, a lack of attention to detail and an organizational complacency or incompetence. That's a real thing. Which were which letter did they miss in official? Oh, they forgot one of the eyes in official. They go like a a fickle. Yep. Yep. They did. And like I'm that's the part it. that gets me. I like I am it. no spelling wizard. I have typos all over the place. You can attest to that. But when it's in size 40 or 50 font, like, it's smacking you right in the face. It's the first thing you see. They literally have people that are paid to read those things whose only job is if you have, if you actually show it to them. And, look, they have this thing. It's really rare. It's very expensive. I understand that. But it's called spell check. And if you have this, this AI-powered, I think you have to have a bank of computers that are the size of a football field. If you are able to, to get that kind of access to spell check, you can just input it into spell check, Tom, and it will put a little red line under it. And as you noted, this is not the head coach's fault. This is not Mike Norvell's, you know, it, it wasn't his doing, but he's the one that looks bad at all of this. Like, he might lose a recruit over this. Now, I don't know if it's the biggest deal in the world, but everybody is pointing and laughing at FSU, who, oh, by the way, is trying to get back to respectability and this just doesn't seem like it's going to help. It's very funny. I think it's, it, and people roll their eyes sometimes. 
I oh, it, it reminds me of when people will go after you on Twitter for being stupid and misspell your. Right? You are <laughs> has an apostrophe. I will say, any text I write out to you, I look over three or four times, and I still send you text with typos in it. Never. Hey, I. By the way, you, you also can. I'm actually. I, I, I'm an initially a writer. I'm very good at writing. At least spelling. That's not true. I'm good at spelling things properly. I have so many typos because I'm so much going on. Have you noticed? I have like words that are wrong all the time. But what I will say about your text, yes, you do send those, but right away there's a follow-up text correcting it because I know it drives you crazy anytime you send anything with a typo in it. I could send you, though, to everyone. I could send you my text strings the last week, and everyone has, you know, a text and then a star, and then another text and a star, and then a text and three stars with... Because I get that bad at it. But I'm also not posting it for the world to see. Or trying to land a four-star recruit to help get your program back to respectability. I mean, it's a big. This Florida State's a big-time powerhouse college football program, and everyone's just pointing away. They? they were. Were they? they? Were. Yeah, were they? Were. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to some NBA here now. Ever since Kyrie Irving opted into his deal with the Nets, there's been speculation he's interested in the Lakers, and that the Lakers are interested in him. Well, longtime NBA insider Mark Stein is reporting that the Lakers want to get a trade done, but it won't come cheap. According to his sources, the Nets are unwilling to trade Kyrie if the deal is solely for bringing in future assets. Now, if you read in between the lines, Russell Westbrook is on an expiring deal, as we know, and the Lakers would have to be willing to part ways with future first-round picks. My question to you, Bill, buy buy or sell the Nets and Lakers getting a deal done for Kyrie Irving. I'm going to sell that it gets done, although it's really 50-50 for me. I think the Nets are right, by the way. You, you, can't, you can't rebuild because I'm not sure that the GM survives that. And they, the owner expects to win. And the Lakers don't have any depth anyway. Who are they going to trade? Who are they? They, have no, they have no good players outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis. Does anything happen with Kyrie, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's somebody else, until you know what the heck is going on with Kevin Durant? Can the Nets do anything? Like, can't it has to be wait and see, right? Yeah, I think I think it, it, it does, and I think part of what's going to have to happen is training camp begins because if what the, the Nets don't know, they're not communicating with Durant, is whether he's going to show up show up for training camp. Can you imagine if Durant goes full Ben Simmons, having and they just traded for Ben Simmons? It's possible. And so if that happens, it might you might rethink it and just decide, you know what? We're gonna if we have to blow it up, we'll blow it up. I also and maybe this is dumb, it probably is dumb. I'm gonna give you my idea and you, you can buy or sell it. You're the owner of the Nets. You're a billionaire. You can play the long game. I know it's punitive, I know fans are gonna be mad, but I'd almost blow the thing up, rebuild, and not trade Durant, and just force him to waste four years of his career. Like you wanna, and then if he comes back and he wants to try, we can try. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink. Like I own the Nets, right? I have twenty years. You're Kevin Durant in your thirties. You don't have four. Buy or sell, you hold them hostage. Buy. Yeah, it'd be petty if you have to. You hold them hostage. But my question to you: How long can you hold a superstar hostage like that? Like we know he's not happy. How forever? Long, but how you, long does that? Can you seemingly, I, I use air quotes here, make that work? I mean. If he holds out for, think if he holds out and he pulls a Ben Simmons, and they're just they just go, tough, we'll just eat it. We don't have to pay you because you hold. We'll eat it. I can't stop laughing 
at the fact that Kevin Durant could go full Ben Simmons because he doesn't want to play with Ben Simmons. It just funny, makes me it? laugh. Apparently that's contagious. All right, let's keep it in the NBA here. The NBA unveiled their full schedule this week, and the season will tip off with two rivalries on Tuesday, October 18th. The Philadelphia 76ers at the Boston Celtics, followed by the Lakers in Golden State for Steph Curry and company to receive their championship rings. Buy or sell that this is the best way for the NBA to start their season. I did so much as an HQ the other day. I'm going to sell. This is why. Sell. Look, Sixers Celtics is amazing. It could easily be the conference. Here's the thing. There are three teams that play on opening night that have NBA championship, legitimate NBA championship championship aspirations. The other team is the Lakers. All they're going to do is show the Lakers how far they are from being where they want to be. The Lakers are not a good basketball team. I know they have LeBron. I know they have AD. I know they're the Lakers. I would much rather see the Warriors play a competitive Memphis, which is the Christmas Day game, would have been a great game. Those teams hate each other. This is just the sad Lakers. It's like watching Eeyore. I guess we'll play the Warriors. Do you like my, buy or sell my Eeyore? Is it bad? Buy. Oh, yeah, I get a, a buy. Oh, absolutely. And a quick follow-up there. Warriors-Grizzlies, best rivalry in the NBA right now? I know it's not long-lived, but it's got a buy lot it. of yeah. juice right now. Are you saying that because I said that on HQ the other day, or we just... No, I mean, there's been constant yeah. jarring even in the offseason. We haven't yeah. played games in, in months, and there's still there's yeah. a Twitter war. Can I, um... Can I, uh... Oh, you put somebody in buy or sell that I don't like. Okay, that'll be fun. We'll get to that one. Um, can I give you buy or sell real quick? Personal one. Sure. Well, he doesn't like me, actually. He's really rude to me all the time. Um... He's, he, anyway, uh, I, I just got back yesterday, August 18th, and I was gone for, for I was I've been gone for three months, so I, I haven't been home in three months. I've been on the road for NBA work. I had some stuff I had to take care of, whatever stuff going on. I was and I was abroad. Um, it's a long time, so I told a bunch of people I play tennis with. I'm in like a tennis group, but some of them I don't know well. I'll be back August 18th, and I land at LAX. I touch down right, and you turn your phone on. I have all, I have a bunch of text messages to play tennis. And I think, oh, my gosh, like, look at all these people who miss me. And then a buddy of mine was like, no, bro, everybody knows you haven't been playing tennis, and they all want a piece of you while you're rusty so they can say that they beat you. Whoa. Buy or sell that, that I should feel insulted. I never hear from any of these people. Buy. Buy or, yeah, right? Absolutely. That's that's bulletin board material. That's yeah, all the motivation you need right there. I haven't played in a long time. So chirping, they, wh- chirping while you're not there to defend yourself and they don't, they don't hey, know. Hey, let's play. Let's, you're available to, literally, I, a guy I never play with is, is like, are you available tomorrow? I'm like, wow, that's weird. And my buddy's like, bro, everyone's like hoping they're going to catch you while you're, while you're, while you're rusty. Right. Wow. Right. You got to fill us in then over the weekend, like how this goes. I'll let you on playing today. All right, let's get to some baseball here. And your buddy, Mr. 2022 All-Star himself, Albert Pujols, stayed red hot yesterday, hitting his third home run in as many games in the Cardinals win over the Rockies. Pujols now has 690 for his career, just six behind Alex Rodriguez for fourth on the all-time list. Buy or sell Albert Pujols catching Alex Rodriguez? I want good things to happen in the universe, so I'm going to buy it because it, it's what should happen. Buy. Look, is Albert Pools an all-star this year? No, it's stupid. So dumb. I still think it's dumb. I don't care if everybody loved it. 
But but pools is to me the epitome of of the modern star, right? The the modern Ted Williams or whoever you want, whoever you want to point to. And I would love him to pass a rod on every list that he can. All right, let's finish up with one last. David Vassay. I got to about David Vassay. Sports. He works for he works for my former net. And I, there's a guy, there's a host there who didn't like me very much. Got really mad. I used to, we used to work together on TV and radio. Uh, he's a Greek dude. You probably guess who he is. And he used to demand to Carissa Thompson that she not say because they they bring on TV and they'd be like, oh, you know, Tom Celestino is this, and you know, whatever this guy's it. Be Bill Ryder, radio host, and he would like throw fits and demand she not say I was a radio host because he didn't. I don't know. And David, David's his little uh, former producer, uh, sycophant. So anyway, please continue, David. David was never very nice to me. Uh, you know, I will admit, there are questions like the Bears, like Albert Pujols, where, where I put them in on purpose. This one I did not. This was uh, what I would call a happy accident. Sportsnet LA Dodgers reporter David Vasse went down the slide at American Family Field in Milwaukee as the Dodgers took on the Brewers, and it didn't go well for him. Once he what? got down Is the slide, oh, no. he hit a padded wall at full speed, suffering two <gasps> fractures in his no, wrist. No, he didn't. Oh, I didn't know that was a powder. I wouldn't have been like... And he cracked six ribs, but, but... What? After a trip to the emergency room, he was back on the broadcast saying that he was fine. He did have a cast on. He said he was okay. Oh, David. Buy or sell that you were ever go down the slide at American Family Field now. I've broken my wrist and my ribs, but in different different events. Um, Sell, I'm not a big slide guy. Sell. Wait, David, that's... Oh, I shouldn't laugh. That's terrible. That's just awful. I mean, on the Dodgers broadcast, Joe Davis, who is now their play-by-play man, uh, he was laughing. He couldn't contain himself. Why did he go down the slide? I believe this was attempt number two, and everything went fine for attempt number one. And you could see him on Twitter if you if you watch the clip. He kind of loses his balance as he's going down the slide. He kind of gets sideways. And he goes into the padded wall at full speed. And uh, he was in pain immediately. Oh, that's awful. And it's just, I didn't think that would happen going down this slide. Wow. So David needs to be the safer. Bye. The safer. <laughs> We're back. Dave, I haven't thought of that name, that guy in a long time. David Vasse. Vasse? Woo, okay. Uh, Bum of the Week's coming up. And uh, it, it might be a, 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 two, a two-horse race between me and a colleague who's never been nominated before. Never been nominated, so it's not me. Not you, I'm, not bogus. I'm yeah. nominated every single week. No, not you. You're the opposite. You're, you're golden. You're star of the week. If we had that, which we don't, that'd be stupid. Bum of the Week coming up here on Rider Than You after we get a CBS Sports Radio update. From Greg Caserta. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. It's Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Good to be back, D-Cell. Missed you, buddy. Missed being on the air. The most fun I've had in weeks. It's great. I'm so happy that you're back. And guess what? We're going to do it again on Monday. Yeah, we are. And let, before we even get there, let's close on a bang with Bum of the Week. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. All he's doing is a whole lot of damn nothing. I'm a bum. You rotten bum! I'm a bum. They're a bunch of bums. I'm a bum. I'm a bum. I'm a bum. Who's the bum this week? Let's find out on Writer Than You on CBS Sports Radio. Ooh, we got some nominees here. 
anybody you want to you want to put out there. I'm going to put Jimmy Haslam on there. That was one of the worst attempts at spin I've ever heard, and just so unnecessary. He didn't need to go down that road. It was unprovoked. Florio said it. Just don't talk. Oh, Yannick Giannis. You know, I get it. Anthony Davis did this a few years ago, though. AD's from Chicago. Would you ever play here? Yes. You're probably playing with the crowd. Bro, you're in Milwaukee. That's a regional rivalry. Can't be saying that. Deshaun Watson's entire PR staff. Uh, I think Antonio Brown took some shots at Tom Brady. Tom Brady missing some time for personal reasons. You never want to. You never know what's going on in people's personal lives. Which brings me another couple nominees. I'm nominated. I did miss the last three weeks. I was supposed to be on vacation for a week, and the last two weeks I was supposed to work half those days. I missed four shows, technology problems in Europe. But I also got to nominate my guy, and I'm a fan of DA. As you know, Disa, you're one of the few people that sort of know, was in Europe for the summer, had some personal things as a part of that I had to, had to deal with, was asked by people in my personal life and professionally outside of CBS Sports Radio, not to mention that I was there for the summer, so you'd imagine my surprise when I got tagged in a tweet. DA took some shots at me for, for being off radio, which is fine. By the way, people make fun of other radio hosts all the time. Not my style, but it's all, what's the wire line? It's all in the game. To me, radio hosts who make fun of their colleagues are saying a lot more about themselves than they are whoever they're making fun of. And I'll leave it to smarter people than me to figure out what DA's sort of deal. DA can do whatever he wants to show. Interesting show, like a show, good guy. But mentioning my personal business, saying that I've been in Europe, what was the term? I was on a sojourn? Is that what, is that what I was? I mean, it's he's using a really big... And look, I should be sympathetic because I know that the plan on that show, it's very structured, is to spend three and a half of the four hours talking about what Marash had to eat the night before. And then I heard Sean was off. That makes sense. DA didn't know how to fill or had some trouble filling the time. Must have been a slow day. Can't turn to to Sean eating a bunch of food. And that's hard. I I get it. It's difficult. But I didn't want people to know where I was. Didn't want people to know my house was empty. You know, a whole bunch of stuff. So it's really, it's really, I'm, I'm really torn between me and DA, you know? Like, I miss the time. But on the other hand, Maybe don't, maybe just like scale it back a little bit if you're going to talk about, about somebody's personal business. It's just tough. And Sean, I'm assuming Sean was off, right? Okay. I actually was just guessing because I went and listened to the clip and I was surprised that I didn't hear Sean's voice. Sean's good, by the way. I might even call it the Sean and DA show. I mean, that's such a combo. Yeah, DA, buddy. I'm sure someone's going to tag you and send this to you. So I'll talk directly to you. Uh, I get you like to make fun of other hosts. That's cool. And, and play to jo- Jody Mack, which is like making fun of Jody for stepping in. I don't know. Is that something they do? Didn't want to advertise I was in Europe. Wasn't going to talk about it in the air. Was asked not to by my wife and my other employer. And now I have to because you put my business out there. Even though I like you a lot, DA, keep your name out your mouth. That's a little bit of a joke. You're the bum of the week, bro. That's your bum of the week. I detest you. On Lighter Than You. Tell you what, it is weird. It is weird to be home. It was May when I left because I had to leave for the NBA playoffs. And then I was in New York for a whole bunch of time for work. San Francisco, now that it's out there, not my personal business out there, let's talk about it. I have been in New York, San Francisco, 
Boston, Barcelona, my sojourn, Vienna, Salzburg, Stuttgart, Paris, London. By the way, had to deal with some stuff, but like had some really, had some family stuff over there, but got to see some family, was, was really great. But I'll tell you what, Tom, it is really nice to be home, man. It's a long time. I bet. And the best part about it is that we got reunited. Yeah, I miss you, buddy. I'm sorry I wasn't around. Likewise. Likewise. I mean, I like I said, I enjoyed uh, working with all the fill-in hosts. They were very nice and uh, very gracious to me. But, I mean, there's nothing like the real thing, right? Hey, this is it's me and you. And there, is, where's Bogus? He's off today? Bogus will be. Uh, he was on vacation all week. Vacation. Got he it. will be joining us on Monday. And the, I miss Bogus, too. The trio will be back. We're back. All right. Well, have a good weekend. It's kind of weird to come back on a Friday and then just be done again. It doesn't matter what day you come back on. The, all that matters is you're back. I promise you no sojourns planned. No sojourns. I don't know what a sojourn is. It's a really fancy word. But I think it means time off. And I'm not going to do it other than Labor Day. <laughs> it's my mom's 70th birthday. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Bill Ryder. It is great to be back on the air. I appreciate you. Thank you. We'll see you here on Monday, and I'll be here on Monday on CBS Sports Radio.